Okay, ladies. I'm Tony Moss. I produce this show. Some of you probably heard that I'm a prick. I am a prick. I am a prick. I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. Let me take a look at you. Spread out. Spread out. Jesus Christ. Marty, take a look at these tits. What are these? Watermelons? This is a stage, babe. It's not a patch. See ya. I've seen you before. Yes, Mr. Moss. I auditioned for you in January. You told me to get my nose fixed. Nose looks good. Thank you, Mr. Moss. Nice smile, too. Thank you, Mr. Moss. You know what, though? Your ears are sticking out. They are. Come back and see me when you get them fixed. See ya. Can you spell MGM backwards? I bet you can't. MGM. I'm impressed. Come back when you fuck some of this baby fat off. See ya. I hope you got some nice wigs, tennis ball. What kind of classes have you had? Ice skating classes, Mr. Moss. Ballet classes, technique classes, stretch classes, jazz classes, jazz technique classes. The show is called Goddess. It ain't called classes. See ya. <laughs> what kind of classes have you had? I haven't had classes. Then what are you doing here? I'm watching you be a prick. <laughs> well, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Woo! Welcome oh, to the show. And welcome to the show, everybody. We got a good one today. We got a great one. And we've got a wonderful guest, everybody. My name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And these are the, the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Pete. Yes. This is a very, very special episode of the podcast. It really is. Because we get to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies. No irony in that. Like, I think this is one of my top five movies of all time. Yeah, for sure. We finally got to our Showgirl episode. Yes. Our Showgirls episode. Showgirls. All Verhoeven Showgirls from 1995. I love it. This movie's so wonderful. So, Pete... We could have got anyone for this episode. <laughs> Janet Jackson, Paul Abdul. <laughs> but our buddy Dan is just what Movies That Made Us Gay is all about. Oh he's goodness. dazzling, he's exciting, and he's very, 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 very sexy. sexy. Welcome to the show, Dan Renzi. Dan Renzi. Welcome. Oh, I just hope I can be as good as the show. I, I think you can. I mean, we were talking earlier. Your resume just, uh, you know, is stands alone we've yeah. got friend of rachel maddow yes we've got yes. <laughs> you're yes. a journalist for uh queerty queerty mm-hmm. and i mean iconically you are part of the mtv real world road rules challenge family so for over 10 dan years. when you emailed us i was getting gas and pete Text message what did me, you eat? Dan. From <laughs> I, I was getting gas. I was, I was filling up you my car. Ha- he was having gas. Yes, I was having gas. Yeah, I, was passing some. I was getting gas. I was. <laughs> I was eating something. So and I was sitting there, and I felt well. How oddly physically discomfort <laughs> I'm the odd physical discomfort I'm experiencing. It's so, so perfect to get an email from Dan Renzi so, at the same yeah, time. He Indeed. text messaged me that Dan from Real World Miami wants to come on the show to do <laughs> Showgirls, and I'm like. Oh my fucking god! He was gagged. I was gagged. Uh, he had gas and was gagged. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. Like talking about. I mean, speaking of, of of an old movie, let's talk about an old TV show with some old. So old Dan, rea- we've discovered on, it. on 
Pluto. Pluto. There is an MTV channel that just shows Teen Mom in real world. And it started from one in New York. Season one, And it went all the way until... Well, it stopped right before Miami. It stopped right before Miami and we were pissed. And... Well, and the problem is, is it, there's a, they always group seasons one through four because it's a licensing issue. Oh. They uh, cannot get licensing rights for a lot of the episodes because of the songs that sure. they used. That it's just wildly expensive to get uh, to pay for the 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 licensing. Right. So a lot of these episodes are never going to be aired again. And like a lot of these seasons, the later episodes, you'll notice that uh, like in the you know by the time they got to season twenty or whatever. Yeah. You know, who even remembers at this point? Nobody watches. They, those. they, <laughs> the uh, the music is all this really crappy, like oh, you yes. know, synthesized. Yeah. It's not real songs. Yeah. It's just sort of filler songs. And they did that because that way they could, you know, they own the rights to the music because it's not real music. Yeah. But like on ours, I mean, I remember vividly on, on an episode of mine when all my roommates were talking about how much they hated me because I was such a, because I, which, I mean, pick which episode was that? Every yeah. single one of them. Um, but my roommates were talking about how much they hated me because I was becoming a snob. And um, Ace of Bass, It's oh. a Beautiful Life was oh playing in the gosh. background. Oh. And I was like, oh, I have made it. I mean, like this, <laughs> I have never felt so famous in my life. I am, it's a beautiful, and it was like, this and it was like this, the camera would zoom in on my face and I was like making kind of a snobby look oh and then it was like showing Miami Beach and then there's Dan and he's <laughs> such a snob and <laughs> I was like I have loved being the villain this is fantastic because I get all the best Ace of Base music yes, in the background <laughs> but that's what prevents it from ever going into reruns so Dan I have so attempted sorry. to do Google searches to find you coming down the stairs in your red bikini briefs after the Truth or Dare yeah. game and I cannot find it it is nowhere they, online. That wasn't bikini briefs. Those were red underwear, but whatever. Why yeah, do I, why do I remember I mean, them I as all, red bikini briefs, though? <laughs> there's, it's sort of like there's a box in my parents' basement. I don't know if you read Harry Potter, but it's like I have a box, and it's like one of my horcruxes <laughs> where I have a just of my MTV stuff, and I oh you can't throw it away or, up, or part of my soul will die. Yeah, but if you touch it... <laughs> You will be cursed for, or you will die too. And so it's just all sitting there and I can't even bring myself to look at yeah. it. And like, Well, I mean, we won't delve too deep into, you know, the catharsis or what have you of your time. We on have MTV. so much to talk about. <laughs> we do. That's yes. so much more important. It's already going to be probably a two indeed. hour episode. <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted already. I'm already. just thinking about it. I cannot, I cannot even wrap my mind around the, the gravity of this conversation. We are going to talk about the most important artistic endeavor of our generation. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. You it know, really is my favorite movie. And people think it's hyperbole. I'm yeah. like, no, I really – like when I saw Showgirls for the first time and people were like, oh, my God, it was terrible. And I'm like, I really thought it was a good movie. I don't see what the problem was. And I kept watching it and watching it. And, and I'm like, this is genius. But I – but you have to be a special person to get it. You either like, get everybody. it or you don't get it. 
Yeah. Either you get it or you don't. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. And my friends were like, this movie sucks. I'm like, get out. You don't, <laughs> I can't even, you know, it's like, but you have to really appreciate it. Right. And like, or you have to like be a certain kind of person to really appreciate it. Okay. And I am that special kind of person. Good, good, good. I have to say right up front, right at the top of this episode, that I'm the guy that either leaves the room or likes to turn it off right at the party because I am not here for that scene. It is way too no. visceral for me. That's when you just skip that scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm good with skipping it because uh, actually Nomi's revenge scene is really good. Just the look, yeah. the, the the performance, all that is actually worth it. But, yeah, the, the party scene to me, I'm just like I, – I saw it fully, you know, and then – I'm just like, all right, I remember it. I know that it's there, and let's let's press the next uh, chapter on the DVD, which thank God for DVDs. We can just go to the next chapter or Blu-rays or what have you. But um, Scott, talk yeah, about – Yeah, and I understand – and we can – when we'll get to that, mm-hmm. you know, yes. when we, we get to the team. Yeah. But, you know, I understand I, – I, I don't – I don't – not not everything has to be entertainment. Sure. Like if you have an artistic, you know, yeah. in, in all seriousness, yeah. like not everything has to be fun. Not everything has to be happy. There are things to learn. And when you look at this movie as a time capsule of, 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 you know, when it was made. And I mean, it's interesting to watch a movie where women are just treated so horribly <laughs> for the sake of entertainment, you know, like the characters. And it's like, why is this even okay? Yeah. Like why, you know, why is, why is doing, but then you watch Oz and the same thing happens to men, you know, in pretty much every right. episode of Oz. And so if you sort of remove the entertainment aspect of it and realize that, you know, Paul Verhoeven did have something to say. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you know, we'll just, you know, I, you know, take it for what it is and just kind of grit your teeth and wait. Cause it's fortunately not a very long scene. Right, right, right. And it's, it's like you're saying, it's serving the story. So, um, yeah. we have covered basic instinct on this show. We have our good uh, friendship. Pope did, did basic instinct brilliant. with us. Yes. So we got brilliant. into a little bit of, uh, Paul Verhoeven and, and also Joe Esterhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the other men yeah. behind Showgirls. Yeah, and- I mean, Basic Instinct. I mean, and it's it's brilliant because Sharon Stone, she, she I, you can't even, she's, she, I, mean, I said, the you know, force of nature is a joke, but she really is. Like, watching oh, yeah. Sharon Stone vamp her way through that movie, and she knew exactly what she was doing, and it yeah. was just, it was a stroke of genius. And watching Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, every scene, she was lit differently, Every scene, she had a nuance that was new, that brought some new life to it. And every scene was more like, I mean, she was just more gorgeous than the next. And it's like the magnetism that she had. And that's what the character needed. You needed to have that magnetism. And it's like, wow. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of star that these scripts need. And I think that's where showgirls failed (laughs) because, you know, and when you had movies like, you know, the jagged edge, when they Mm -hmm. made the jagged edge and, uh, you know, Glenn close Mm -hmm. was in the jagged edge. And then you have uh, basic instinct and you have Sharon stone and it's like, my God, how do you top this? And then for, you know, the biggest, most, you know, extravagant, ridiculous, over the top artistic statement, and then they, they got you know Elizabeth Berkeley, and it's like, <laughs> oh, bummer. And so it just, and I think that's where it really lost people because yeah. she just wasn't 
tough enough. Like you need to have like if that, you know, even if you had had the roles switched and you had Gina Gershon as Nomi Malone, I think it would have been better because Gina Gershon is tough and she can vamp her way through a script. And like and she knew exactly what she was doing Mm -hmm. when she was playing Crystal Connors and Showgirls. Yeah. And, you know, she sort of stole her scenes. And it's like, you know, you, you need to have someone with that gravitas. And Elizabeth Berkeley just yeah, didn't. and I wonder if it was just kind of handicapped by not handicapped, but I mean they needed a dancer as well as an actress. Yeah, because I was I was reading some of the actresses that was were considered for Nomi Malone, uh, Angelina Jolie, I think met with yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Uh, Jenny McCarthy yeah. says that she met, but Jenny can't dance, so that's why she ended up not getting oh, it. Among other oh, things. Mm-hmm. so you don't you never heard you never heard Jenny McCarthy's audition story. I've. I, it's hysterical. Isn't, isn't it about her to tell is, it? Is isn't she, about her she not called in for. She went to the finals, and she was actually in the final running for it. And they they taught her the choreography from Goddess, and she did it with the fingers and the jazz hands in front of her face. Yeah, and then um, she did great. And then the final audition was they wanted her to come in and just dance. Uh, and what she didn't realize, sure. there was supposed to be a strip tease, but she went in and danced like she was at the club. And it was like, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, she's just this white girl from, yeah. you know, the suburbs of Chicago. And she's like, step, touch, step, touch, and like snapping her fingers. <laughs> and she was, she was in the, you know, one of the lead choices for the part. And then she blew it because she couldn't. She did. She just wasn't. Oh, wow. She, she couldn't dance in, in improv. Yeah. And so not that I want to give Jenny McCarthy any, right. any credit for anything. So, I mean, she's awful, but An- whatever. Another one that was very close to getting it. And Paul Verhoeven said that he really liked her audition and he would have been fine with casting her. But I think that she just was so much of an unknown at the time. They didn't really want to take the chance on it was Charlie Theron. And Charlie Theron, oh, yeah. he said, had no problem with the nudity. She yeah. could dance. And he doesn't really, like, he says that she was fine, but they just didn't end up going with her. And he says that he's kind of glad oh. that she didn't get the role now, just because she's gone on to have such a successful career that she might not have had that if her first big breakout was Showgirls. Yeah, it would have. I mean, but who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean... If if she could have pulled it off, because there's been a lot of bad movies that weren't that bad. You know, like if you look at, a, you know, Nod was made by the same team. But if you look at um, uh, what what's the movie with Cher and Christina Aguilera? Burlesque. What, burlesque. burlesque. Like burlesque could could have been a disaster, but it wasn't that bad. And everyone just sort of walked away unscathed. Yeah. And there are ways yeah. to make these movies. And it's like, well, if it's if it's just kind of bad, everyone's just like, oh, whatever. You know, not everybody's careers were ruined. Like, oh, yeah. you know, Kyle MacLachlan is has done well. Gina Gershon has gone on and had a great I career. I mean, she went on to get people, bound. Yeah. People, do, people do survive these things. Yeah. I just think that it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I Charlize Theron. I mean, coulda, woulda, shoulda. To right. think about this movie with Charlize Theron in it, my mind is spinning. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, Elizabeth Berkley, fresh off Saved by the Bell, I think probably took it right after season four was canceled. I I wonder if she was kind of handicapped by her, you know, sitcom acting style, and I feel like it just kind of reads th- reads through when she's. Yeah, you know, and some of her line delivery that just comes off as a little, a little Saved by the Bell acting, where she's just like a cheeseburger and a soda, and I'm just like, oh, girl, like. <laughs> what I like about yeah. it is that it the performance soda and fries. Get her some brown rice. The performance is yeah. all over the place, but I like that this bitch is committing. 
Well, okay, she is. She, she is. She is like in it. But this is. But that was all. I mean, that was all Paul Verhoeven's directing. I mean, yes, he right. admits freely that he kept doing take after take and making her. You know, like there's the scene when she um, first walks into the to the goddess auditions and she's dressed and then she sees everyone like yeah. in, in in their underwear basically. And she runs backstage and she grabs a makeup brush and she starts jamming makeup on her face. <laughs> they told her – it's like she, how does Elizabeth Berkeley not even know how to do makeup? Well, yeah. obviously she does. But they made her slap makeup on her face because it was his, it was Paul Verhoeven's style that he right. wanted everything stylized and everything bigger than life. And right. the line readings that Elizabeth Berkeley gave, they were purposely – you know, just so over the top because that was the way that Paul Verhoeven did it. Right. And that's where, you know, she couldn't, she's not a big actress like that. Like, and so mm-hmm. that it wasn't that she couldn't act. It was that she just couldn't do what he wanted her to do. And she kind of got screwed Yeah, because it was, you know, anyone else, like, you know, again, in Gina Gershon acting like that, it was hilarious, mm-hmm. and she was fabulous. And you know, and Gina Gershon, you emerged from that movie completely, completely golden because yeah. he was like, "Well, this was just a you know, this was just a funny project," because she knew how to act like a drag queen. Yes, she knew how to have fun with it. And, and Elizabeth Berkeley was trying so hard to you know make the director happy. Yeah, that she just looked like she was in a high school drama club, and so <laughs> and that's and it's not her fault, you know, and. You know, and once again, I think that she was amazing. Yeah, but but for all the wrong reasons. I feel. So like I know. I feel. I do feel bad for her. But it's you know, and Paul Verhoeven, he's the first one to say he's like, I am the one who asked her to do this. Yeah, like this was not this was not her choice. She did not play this part this way because of, you know she wanted to. It was I was the one who right. made her do it. I mean, as the director, I, I feel like there are a couple of line deliveries that kind of there's a good actress in there. You know. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of played for, for a joke now and people love the line, but when she, you know, she says back east and and Molly says where and she says and different places. That delivery of like different places, she's just so frustrated and maybe it was it's the middle of the night and who knows how many takes they'd been through and she's just like, "Fuck, man, how many questions do you have for me?" Throwing those fries. You know? yeah. She's just like jamming those fries in the uh. fucking catch up and she's just like different places and she just sinks like back into her chair she said was so wonderful yeah i just loved it yeah. so much and that that to me that little bit i just i feel for nomi being in this new city she just got all her shit stolen you know this girl's giving me the third degree and now i'm just like you know what i don't need to tell you my whole story right now just understand that i'm from different places <laughs> I think that I, I I applaud your earnest efforts at taking it seriously because I think that that was just one of the crappiest <laughs> scenes <laughs> that has ever been written or performed ever. <laughs> Throwing French fries and, and and then she her stuff gets stolen and she yeah. throws up and it's like uh, this is and this glorious. is like the first seven minutes of the movie. The first seven. It's just oh, like man. we get we get her drawn out that switchblade, which makes me laugh every time. Every time oh, I yeah. just like cackle yeah. to myself. And you know, and she looks so amazing though. I mean, that's the thing. Like she looks like with the hat and her plumped up, I don't know how she got her lips plumped yeah. if it was I don't know if she got injections or whatever. And she's got that that sort of, you know, nude colored lipstick mm-hmm. just glistening on her bee stung lips and she's just sitting the, there. The blonde curls. It's just 
and it's like, you know what? And it was when I saw that opening scene and she's standing there. I'm thought maybe she's going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> yeah. like maybe, maybe Elizabeth Berkeley, like she, she had the presence, she had the yeah. confidence and she got in and then, <laughs> then she pulls the switchblade out and I was like, Oh no, this is going to be terrible. So when and, was... like, <laughs> and it was so much more. So... And so it's like, you know, she just, she had, she does have these moments, but it's yeah. when she's relaxed and sure. it's like, you know, she sort of, embodies this character and she's not trying to please anybody and she's just sort of standing there looking cool and then she starts saying lines and it's like, oh, oh, oh so, well never mind so when was the first time we all watched this movie dan i'm curious of when the first time you watched this movie was do you remember i'm sure you do um the first time i watched it honestly well the first time i watched it i saw it um on tv it was on vh1 and it was the edited censored version so you got sure. the bikinis you got the painted on so bikinis I got then. The CGI bikinis, a lot of the sex was cut out. Wow. And it really played just as a straight drama. Yeah. And a, you know, a lot of the the most ridiculous parts were cut out. And um I thought it was funny. And uh and I was like, Oh, well, you know, I thought this was a pretty good movie. And I even mentioned it to a friend of mine, you know, and, and a bunch of gay guys, and they're like, Oh girl, no, you gotta <laughs> watch the the N seventeen version. And just those slight differences. First of all, all the nipples. Yeah. And, you know, the nipples, I mean, Nomi's nipples are a character unto themselves. Oh, my goodness. And they should have, they should have their own credit, in, you know, at the end of the movie. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and just the, the gratuitous, the gratuitous, unappealing sex scenes in their full glory, no pun intended, <laughs> and just the raw, nasty energy of you know everyone's boobs flying around around the screen it really did make a difference and the second time i saw it i kind of paid more attention and i was like wait no this really is something significant i mean like this really is artistically an amazing feat of cinematography and film work i mean like this is not just for fun like this really this movie says something and i was like you guys i mean oh my god and my friends were like what the hell is wrong with you? This is the worst movie. And like, it was not. And so, I mean, I, you know, like I was in college when it came out and I just missed it because everyone said it was terrible. Yeah. And it really was a lesson. And like, you know, you can't believe what people tell you and you have to appreciate things for, for what they are. And it's like, you know, just because it's not something that is easily digestible as a movie doesn't mean that it's not amazing because it is. It is amazing. <laughs> it is a profound statement of a movie. And I have seen it, I mean, I don't know, probably like 20 times since then. You know, whenever yeah. I'm feeling a little little down, I just, I just watch Showgirls and it makes everything better. So I was, <laughs> I was introduced to this movie in college by a past guest of the show, Darcy Miller, who uh-huh. did Interview with a Vampire. Sure. I remember first meeting her because I, I had met her at a bar. I had met her at Flippers in Missoula, Montana. And then <laughs> we were, and then I saw her and we were washing our clothes and we were just talking. And she's just like, have you ever seen Showgirls? And just <gasps> like, no, I've never seen Showgirls. She's like, girl, you got to watch Showgirls. So then we, I started to hang out with Darcy and her husband, Ben Moore. And we just started talking about Showgirls. And they're like, you really need to watch it. We need to do like a proper viewing. So I bought them, I think it was for Christmas, the VIP edition. Dan, yes, do you remember the VIP narrated. edition? 
yeah. that had like a yeah. pin, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, pin of the course, tassel yeah, on Nomi, <laughs> and it came with shot glasses. I bought them the DVD set of it. Pin the tassels on yeah. Nomi's titties. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> is that that's got to be out of print by now? Like you I probably mean, maybe well, on eBay. It is. I mean, it's it's out of print because then they did the documentary You Don't Know Me, right? And that, that just, just came out. Yeah, that just came out recently. And that guy actually, oh, I yeah. couldn't figure out because I, mean, I kind of half-heartedly watched the documentary because I kind of got bored with it. Yeah. But the guy who did the the VIP edition, he is involved in the documentary. I don't think he's the filmmaker. I know he's interviewed and his yeah, he speaks he's kind of all over it. Yeah. And he, he does a lot of the same stuff. And yeah, I've listened. Of, I've listened to his, his commentary it's too. Like, it's all in you don't know me, and it's like oh, okay. So that I'm was better. my yeah. I kind of thought about that too when we were watching it. I was like, wasn't that? Didn't he say that in the commentary? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because kind of that guy is kind of partly responsible for the big resurgence of this movie because he took that movie on sort of a tour roadshow where they would just show it and he would just set up like a card table and just do a commentary on it and he pretty much does that commentary on the dvd yeah too yeah and i just remember watching it and just thinking this is the most fun and ridiculous movie (laughs) i've ever seen in my whole entire life like the last hour of it you're your for your first experience was the VIP edition. Yes. So oh, oh, wow. watching it with a big group That's of like, friends who all appreciated Showgirls <laughs> and just like taking it all in. Yeah. And it's still it's a movie that oh. I bought the Blu-ray to it, and it's a movie that I still have to revisit every few months. And whenever it's on cable, because it's on premium cable a lot. It is on cable a lot. You these just days. I just have to yeah. dip in and watch five or ten minutes, and then yeah. and then change the channel. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no no. I have to watch it from the beginning. No, 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 it's no, one no, of those no. things where you have to watch it from the beginning to the end. No, I, I, no. I usually just know, have to kind of dip no, into you're it. You're saying this on on your podcast. You're saying this on your podcast. Like this is okay. Like people are going to do this. <laughs> no, you cannot dip in and watch. Like this is not something that you can just casually you know brush through. Sure. You do that with like you know bring it on or you know whatever. <laughs> Showgirls. You have to sit down. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. start at the beginning. Make an evening of it. You have to like really let it wash over you Light to some really candles. fully understand <laughs> to really fully understand the power of like because Nomi is I mean she's an uncontrollable force like she's a you know she is someone you can't control Nomi you have to just sort of let Nomi f- wash over you and like <laughs> you know you have to really look at all the symbolism in the movie and understand like every shot is shot a specific way and you can't you know, be like watch oh well I'm just going to watch the part with you know, you know, the part where, you know, she does, she licks the stripper pole and it's like, well, I mean, well, what's the backstory to that? And you just, you miss all of it. So ladies and gentlemen of the podcasting <laughs> community, do not do that. Wow. Do beginning not, to end. Do not click on it if it's on TV, unless you can start at the beginning. Oh, well, oh it's a horror to think I, about it. I was shocked. Uh, okay. So I came to this movie, the latest out of you know everybody here uh i missed it in theaters and i didn't feel like i was too cool for it and it was never a thing where i was just like oh i heard that movie's bad i'm not gonna watch it i i you know i love those type of things i i like things that are kind of in bad taste or whatever and then watching them and enjoying them for reasons that maybe the general public might not understand whatever but i just never got around to it i don't know what it was and i liked verhoven i seen basic instinct i love starship troopers whatever um when another good one starship troopers yeah. that's another i mean see paul verhoven I mean, he really is i mean he's spectacular he's well-rounded 
and an auteur. But um, when Scott and I started, speaking of well-rounded, <laughs> we have Casper Van Diem's butt. Oh my goodness! I was gonna oh say. I was gonna yeah. say the any future director of... who put any director who puts that in a movie is just the future I mean, of co-ed I mean, showers. Sign me up. Yes, indeed, co- co-ed showering in in Starship Troopers. That cool. might be why what brought me to that movie. But um, you know, when Scott and I started seeing each other, he was like, "You haven't seen Showgirls? You have to watch it." And I watched it. I just let it wash over me. I was just like, "Where where has this movie been all my life?" And I started doing a little <laughs> bit of research on it. And when I kind of discovered the whole like airbrushed bikinis and like all of this crazy like the movie is it's stands alone but like the legend of the movie is almost just as good you know the like Mm -hmm. the making of like what happened after it was released with you know how it got ripped apart like the legs that it found on cable, you know, and then now this, like this audience that it has of, of people that really yeah. appreciate it, you know, it's just, and I'm glad like when they showed it, I didn't live in LA, but they, um, they showed it at, uh, Hollywood forever yeah. cemetery. And, um, you guys didn't go to, that I was picture. bummed. No, I couldn't go. I was mad. Yeah. I had, I had several friends who went and, um, you know, and for those people who are listening, um, the what the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, cemetery they have it's where lots of famous people are buried, mm-hmm. and they would set up movies, and you can sit outside on blankets and and watch movies, and it's lots of fun. And the cemetery itself is really cool. And um, when they showed Showgirls, like a, you know, at night, um, Elizabeth Berkley yep. showed up. Yep. And it was the first time because for years she refused to talk about it in the press. And it was she had been eviscerated yeah. in the press so badly that she couldn't believe that there would be anybody who really did enjoy this movie yeah. that really would want to talk to her and say, we love the end results. We think that this is great. And so she showed up and for the first time. She acknowledged the fans and thanked everybody for, you know, giving this movie all this life. Yeah. Oh, you know, all these years later. And it's like to think about the years of torment that this poor woman, Elizabeth Berkeley, and you you think about how miserable this experience must, you know, just ruined her career. And just she she truly was humiliated by the press of people just calling her names and telling her she had no talent and, you know, and just saying it going much further than, than critiquing her performance. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like to be, you know, it's like to be bullied like that in the press, it to not believe someone when they come up to you and say, I love this movie. And to always think that they're saying that they're doing it sarcastically. Yeah. And it's like, no, I mean, we're, I really do. I mean, like, I think that you can pick apart, well, there was this mistake and this line was read wrong and, you know, Paul Verhoeven made you do this and whatever. <laughs> and, you know, people talking to, you have to say lines about people coming all over you or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> but when you take it all together, it's a work of genius. Yeah. And there are people who love it. And, you know, and it's like, we're not laughing at you when we're laughing. And I do feel really bad for her. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, one of the reasons why gay guys really like this movie, because, you know, it's the same reason why people love Cher. And it's the same reason why gay guys like John, you know, the actors in, well, John Waters was purposely ridiculous. (laughs) But like, you know, you love 
some we all understand what it's like yeah. to be you know beat down by society and finally just stand up and say you know what I don't care I'm just going to be me yeah. and finally at this movie I think Elizabeth Berkeley accepted the fact that she's like you know you're a gay icon whether you want to be or not <laughs> and you can either enjoy that or you can pretend it's not happening but most people enjoy it, so you might as well just so- soak it up. And I yeah. think finally she's like, okay, gay guys have found <laughs> something in this movie. And it's like – and I, so I do. You know, on a serious note, I really, I, I really do feel bad for her. Yeah. And, you know, and I, w- I would practice like, well, if I ever met Elizabeth Berkeley, I would have to be really cool because I wouldn't want to spook her. Because yeah. I would want to run up and be like, I love you! you know, and just like <laughs> throw myself at her. But she would probably think that I was being sarcastic. And I'm like, no, but I really do. I yeah. mean, I really love this performance. I love this movie. And I would love to talk to you about it, you know, it's yeah. like for the rest of the day. So I don't know. So it's just – and I think, you know, gay people, we know what it's like to have a room full of people laughing. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, how do I take control of this? Yeah. And she – you know, she's – she need – it took her several years to learn how to do it. But she finally did. Yeah. And good for her. Because I can only imagine – people coming up to you and saying oh i love you i love this movie you know i love showgirls it's so terrible and it's like that doesn't make me that wouldn't make me feel good you know it's like i get it i get the whole idea i get the joke blah 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 but just saying i love you this movie's so bad you know it's like don't and and you know people have no chill and say that no you know so that's just like uh awful a couple of years ago she was on um tiffany Thiessen had a short-lived cooking show and she was <laughs> yeah uh, on the cooking channel and not even the food network okay, the cooking channel terrible. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even the food network it was the cooking channel their low budget sister network cooking show to anyone anyway. but when you have Trisha Yearwood with a cooking show that's right? actually really good and, and that's I mean, it's like well that show's got legs Bertinelli, same thing yeah you know, like these people have cooking shows like well why not try everybody you know you know like, so they gave Tiffany you know, one and she had uh Elizabeth as a guest and she looked they both looked they both looked great amazing slamming I like yeah. took a picture I posted it on my Instagram I was like look at these two broads like they look so great and it was just so nice to see the two of them you could tell that they that they've kept up through that the they've years kept up yeah. and they were friends yeah. um just because of their little conversation they're having and it was just cute and great and I was just like wow this is really nice to see Elizabeth looking so great and this was before the um oh, this was right before the Hollywood Forever um, yes. mm-hmm. showing. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 nice to see that, you know, she's kind of come to this place where she's like, all right, it's been this and long. I <laughs> think that she's, she's also talked about it. I think I've read an interview with her in like The Advocate or something that so many quote unquote bad movies come out and they're just quickly forgotten and they just collect dust on like a, like a video store shelf when we still had videos. But Showgirls yeah. is still, it's still shocking. People still talk about it. It has not. I think just, it's the most. I think it's the yeah. most successful. I know it's in the top ten. The most successful um, uh, at home sales. It movies. made MGM okay. a lot of money on home video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, like people and you, you, people don't. You know, jokes only go so far. You yeah. know, I mean, like when you have something that's a joke and people, oh, it's stupid. I mean, people don't keep talking about the joke for. You know I mean, this book came out, it was like, when was it? 1998? 1995. Or, or that, or, that it came out? I September mean, just, 22nd, 1995. 
1995. It came out in 1995? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Oh, you know what? It did because I was in college. I'm sorry. I was in college and yeah, because I remember the first time we even heard about it. I was at college and my friends were like, oh, wow, that's really hot or whatever. And look (laughs) at that. Oh, she's so hot. And I was like, that looks fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That looks amazing. Oh, my God. She's fabulous. (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of leading up to Showgirls because Basic Instinct was such a huge runaway hit that kind of this is the tail end of uh, sort of movies for adults, like the erotic dramas that Joe Esterhouse got uh, a $2 million advance to write the script and he was he said that he was inspired by the mgm musicals of the golden age of hollywood and even the script itself sort of resembles all about eve and has a very classic eve. structure to it it's like a star yeah. is born if the lead is like a stripper and yeah. these guys thought that they could make an nc-17 movie and have it be have it kind of have the same success of basic instinct in an in open wide nc-17 movies do not open wide yeah, And so just kind of, it's just them thinking that they could actually pull this off through all of their success, all of like Verhoeven's success with like Total Recall. Um, There's no instinct. reason why this movie should have failed. There's yeah. no reason. They had everything. I mean, they had, when you have Joe Esther's house, or Esther, I can't never pronounce his name right. Yeah. Um, when you've got, when you've got these people, you know, who have written hits before and directed hits before and, you know, it could have, you know, it should have been so sexy. Mm-hmm. And in, there were lots of movies that had lots of sex in, in them before. You know, like Sex, Lies, and Videotape yeah. had a lot of sex in it. And that did fine. And, you know, you have you there's a, a long legacy of Hollywood movies where if you treat the sex appropriately, that. Yes, people will absolutely, you know, go and see it. And the the whole NC-17 rating thing, ooh, it's so scandalous. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's no reason why this movie should have failed. Yeah. And it was just such a, a unmitigated disaster that, you know, like, you know, just because things look good on paper doesn't mean that, that it, it's going to work out. But they had so much talent. Yeah. They had so much talent behind this movie that it's like, how could this possibly go wrong? And oh god, it did. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, so it, that's what makes it so right. Is it just the idea that maybe someone with you know a European person attacking this subject matter, which has so much nudity and sexuality, and you know, in Europe, and you know, a, a Scandinavian person like you know, Paul Verhoeven, uh nudity and sexuality is not treated the way it is in cinema how it is treated well, just in, in america in general i mean like they just they have such a different attitude about sex yeah. you know, people like people in in europe will go to will go to bathhouses yeah. like you know it's it's just not a big deal yeah like they will go people will go to to people talk about going to bathhouses like yeah. i mean it's and there was an era in the united states where bathhouses were were more popular mm-hmm. but there they still are yeah. like it's just you go and you hang out and you yeah. people will it's go there social, every week it's a social and you, thing yeah yeah i mean just and like in germans you know they get naked in public you know you've got you know yeah. angela merkel yeah. is you know running around naked at parks when she was a teenager <laughs> and it's like when when the pictures came out 
showing the prime minister of Germany, the response was like, so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, it's just, they just have a much more matter of fact yeah. attitude about it. And it's not that they, that it, it's not that they're more sexually charged. Right. It's not that it's, it's sexy or whatever. It's just much more literal yeah. and I guess blunt. And in, in an America, part of our sexual culture is the sin aspect of yeah. it. And, you know, the, this, this idea that there's something naughty about it and that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. And with showgirls, there was none of that. I mean, there was no suspense. There was no eroticism. There was no danger to it. It was just all right there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. which is what made it, you know, the most sexually unappealing work that has ever been created but i think for somebody who had not even bothered to see it at the time and you know news reporters and critics from local news stations and things like that weren't going to go on you know the six o'clock local news and say showgirls was great you know they couldn't yeah they couldn't talk about this movie that was about strippers you know and say hey you know it actually is kind of fun because the people, yeah. the people would have just been like, "Well, you, what, you, some kind of perv, you know." It would have just been taken yeah. as like these people are like pervy people if they were just like, "Oh, but actually, it's kind of good." So I think it was just this mentality where you couldn't even say you liked it, even if you did, because it's that stripper movie, you know. And so yeah. I think that's where a lot of it, people who hadn't even seen it or bothered to see it, were just like, "No, that's that's just that's just trash. It's trash," you know. Well, and Demi Moore had done striptease in 19, I guess it was like 1996. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, but again, that was much more, they, it was just even, you know, it's hard, hard to say about a stripper movie, but it was a little bit more demure. Yeah. And, you and know, she and plays a mother in it too. When, you know, that iconic scene of Demi Moore walking out on stage and, you know, and, you know, shaking her boobs back and mm-hmm. forth. It was a much more powerful like liberating moment of Demi Moore, you know, I mean, she, you know, the, the amazing Demi Moore, yeah. you know, making this grand statement by being in a movie about being a stripper who, you know, a stripper with a heart of gold or yeah. whatever, you know, it just, it still had something, I don't know. I mean, like there's still an element of, I guess, of, of, of danger to it. Like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh, I'm so brave. Yeah. Oh, Demi Moore is so brave. Yep. And like, there was none of that in, in, in showgirls. <laughs> it was just like, look, there's a, okay, you know, put some ice on your nipples. I you know, it. like it was God, you know, it was just nothing, nothing about that would speak to an American audience about being erotic. Yeah. And they're just, there's, and <laughs> which is what made it genius. And like, you know, there's nothing enticing or erotic or titillating about any of the sex, any of the nudity. The the only exciting thing was when Kyle McLaughlin walks, which I don't even know if it was really him or if it was a right? body double. I think it's, a, butt. I think it's a butt things. double. <laughs> I think it's a body double, too, because it's a pretty juicy butt. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> when he walks into the pool yep. with the bottle of champagne, it's like that's the only remotely enticing and then not just from a gay perspective. I mean, all these parts with women, mm-hmm. you know, naked and throwing themselves around. It's like, where is the sense of of restraint or you know of, of, of you know, there's no tease to it. It was yeah. just like 
right there. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, if I was like, uh, you know, uh, a Nordic filmmaker, I suppose maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, you will now take off your shirt (laughs) and show us your nipples. You know, like maybe he thinks it's hot. I don't know. But not us. Yeah. All the scenes backstage with the, you know, with the goddess dancers just like ripping their tops off and giving them to Molly to sew up and all that. But like you said, it's presented so matter of factly and and there's tons of nudity backstage, but it's not presented in a in a sexual way. It's just this is our job. We're dancers. We do this topless and I need my costume fixed. You know, yeah, my snatch Uh, is going to be showing. (laughs) I have a smiling (laughs) (laughs) You want to see me go out there without a G Oh it's terrible Who writes it But you know what they said um, No Dan you notice that one of Madonna's dancers is in Goddess right Of course (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean yeah yeah, I mean, it's, I what was I don't know his name I forget but yeah I mean he was in Truth or Dare Mm -hmm. And um he, you know, he didn't say much in Truth or Dare, and he didn't. He only had a couple words in, in, uh, in Showgirls. But oh, of course, I clocked that immediately. I mean, one of the main of- one of the main judges from the early earlier seasons of So You Think You Could Dance is is in Goddess as well. I forget his name, but I was like, yeah, I know him from So You Think You Could Dance. Really? I, yeah. Tice? No, is it Tice? I'll I'll look it up. Whenever I rewatch all of the goddess scenes, I'm always very fascinated with what kind of a show is goddess. So it's beginning at like, like goddess BC because Gina Gershon is birthed from a volcano. But then there's like a motorcycle number and then it ends uh, in this like church disco where Crystal like is ascended into heaven. I think that the coffee table book breaks that down a little more because i've heard of this coffee table book that paul verhoeven goes into like all of the visual themes of the movie a lot and he breaks down and there goddess. are a lot of visual themes there's he the every i mean every scene you know there is a reason why they shot everything the way that they shot it mm-hmm. everything is symbolism and the the goddess show the whole idea is it's a it's a, a tribute to the hollywood movies of of the time, right. you know, and like you have these big production numbers where, you know, cause Las Vegas shows really weren't like that. Like if you went to the Stardust, which people, I don't know if people realize the Stardust was an actual hotel. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like it was a very, very, very much a real place. And, um, but when you went there, the shows really weren't like that. Like mm-hmm. there, there were more traditional Las Vegas shows of just sort of, topless women with feathers sort of dancing around with the idea of like them simply being topless was kind of, that was the show. Sure. Just doing a kick line. And it just, you know, and it wasn't there. It wasn't as elaborate as the show, as the production that we saw Mm -hmm. in, um, in showgirls. But that's why like the whole, the whole wedding thing, there was always wet, like in the, the old vaudeville days or like, Mm -hmm. You know, the Ziegfeld Follies, there's, you know, like these, there's always a, a, a bride scene. And, and so they took these little elements that they put in and it didn't really have anything to do with the movie. Yeah. Which, why have something in your movie that's relevant to the script? Well, not showgirls. <laughs> we don't need it. And let's just put things in for fun. And, and so there's, you know, it was sort of a, a homage to 
to Hollywood. So at least, you know, they're, you know, they're trying to make it artistically relevant why yeah. these people were dancing around naked in lava. <laughs> but it, it wasn't. Yeah. It was just them just, you know, throw, let's, let's see, let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. There's like multiple, like full size Harley Davidson motorcycles. They drive that, they drive that bike out onto the fucking stage. <laughs> yeah. It seems safe to me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and um and like my favorite symbolism of of showgirls is there's a scene at the beginning where where Nomi is sitting outside of the Luxor mm-hmm. and um she's trying to get in to go to the, she's she's trying to she's trying to get into the audition at um at any Las Vegas show and uh uh Molly grabs her and brings her in to meet everybody backstage. Mm-hmm. And when she's sitting there waiting, she has her hand on her head and she's like thinking and she's right in front of the Sphinx that's at the entrance of the Luxor. Uh-huh. And the whole idea is that the Sphinx in ancient Egypt kept the secrets of, you know, the spirits. Right. And you had to get past the Sphinx. That was the whole thing. Like in, if you watch Aladdin, you have to solve the, the, the riddles and, you know, otherwise you're going to get sucked into the sand. Mm -hmm. And so you cannot, in ancient Egypt, you had to get past the Sphinx and solve the Sphinx's mysteries in order to unlock the secrets of, of the tombs. And so Molly is, or, or Nomi is sitting in front of the Sphinx of the Luxor with her hand on her head and her, Hmm, I'm thinking hard face. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder how I'm going to get an audition. And suddenly Molly runs up and is like, come on, let's go. And she gets up and she runs. <laughs> and like, and the world just is never the same. And so like little things like that. And, you know, keep in mind that when I watch Showgirls, I always have to pause it and have a 10 minute explanation like I just did <laughs> of how important this scene is. Like, see, Molly is, or, or Nomi is, is perplexed by you know the secrets of Las Vegas, how is she going to break her way in? And you know, and that's why she's in front of the Sphinx. And at this point, everyone's like, "Seriously, just press play." It's, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm like now you understand. Like this is Paul Verhoeven. Like this is everything is very visual. Yeah, like for every sure. mirror, every you know, every little nuance that they've got of like the way that it's shot. Everything means something. It's not just they're not just turning the camera on, you know, and just shooting it as a bad movie. It's like all the artistic stuff in here is relevant and it all perpetuates the story. So we and scene by scene, I could go on. <laughs> a lot, a lot of mirrors in this movie. I'll tell you what. When I watch that scene with her in front of the Sphinx, I'm I'm thinking to myself, how'd they get that shot? Where is that bench? Yeah. I've been to I've been to the Luxor. I don't know yeah. where they probably well, had to put it in. Modeled. I mean, yeah. they've actually I've because I am because I am this series about about showgirls. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually you know um, went to Las Vegas and was trying to find. Um, the filming locations and unfortunately nice. most of the filming locations don't really was, exist yeah. in and Vegas. also I think that They're, a lot of it was shot in Reno the what? I think a lot of it was shot in Reno well th- a lot of it was just in a sound mm-hmm. stage yeah. um, the, the pool scene the pool that they all mm-hmm. had that she had sex with the waterfall yes. that actually is in the suburbs of LA okay. that's just some filmmaker's Somebody friend says, yeah. just it's that, probably that, in like Tarzana with, with the neon palm trees and um and so, like in a lot of it, it's just not 
there. I think the Crave Club, if I do remember correctly, I think that was a nightclub in Las Vegas at the time. Mm-hmm. But like a, a lot with the with the Luxor, they actually redid a lot of it and they took a lot of the Egypt Egyptology or the Egypt whatever you know the the stuff yeah. that made it the decoration. They took a lot of it out because they're trying to sort of calm down the glamour of the Luxor. And because I was looking for that bench. Yeah. And I was looking for the spot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we've kind of really landscaped and we've taken a lot of the the Egypt references out because we're trying to like not make it so Egypty. And I'm like, <laughs> the that's giant it's pyramid. A pyramid. Like, why would you do that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and like, you need to put back Nomi's bench and yeah. you need to have a plaque on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like so people can come and take selfies and it'll be like the next gay spot to come. Yeah. And they didn't think that, that was shot so w- that shot where she's sitting, I believe she's sitting like I don't know if she's on a hood of a car and she's eating a burger. It's yeah. looking, you see the flamingo it's looking out over the strip, yeah. That wherever she was there, I believe that is gone. Mm-hmm. That if that was That's a probably a, a torn down parking structure now. Yeah. Um Yeah, that was that was a parking structure. That was just yeah, that was just a parking garage. But at this point, I mean, yeah. like you could, yeah. I, I was I was trying to look for that. I, I never got around to actually finding that spot. But mm-hmm. that that parking garage, they've built up. They've any parking garage has now been turned into a oh, hotel yeah. tower. So yeah, yeah. a lot the, of that stuff is just gone. The Las Vegas of nineteen ninety five is gone. It is a completely different yeah. city. Yeah. What? Did yeah. It- so and I mentioned. I mean, even. The Stardust, um, the Stardust being very much a real place. The Stardust, mm-hmm. did you ever see the movie? Speaking of Sharon Stone, this comes full circle. Did you ever see the movie Casino? Of course. With Sharon Stone? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. The Stardust was the inspiration for the Tangiers. Sure. Okay. That was the casino mm-hmm. in that was the casino in the movie Casino. And really was a, a the place where the mob would sort of launder money and grift money mm-hmm. off of and that you know it was like one of the mob's major uh, uh sources of income and it had all sorts of problems you know because people are going to jail for tax evasion and whatever we get the organized crime for and so finally they sold it and they tore it down because they actually had redone it several times right in the hopes of because because back then, like Las Vegas was not glamorous. Right. And so they actually as as Las Vegas gained a popularity, um, like if it was in like the 80s where they they redid the 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 Stardust to make it not so trashy. And <laughs> then they sold it and they just tore it down. And then the whole thing went bust because they were going to build an, a new, you know, one of these fancy new casinos. And ended up not doing anything with it. And now it's actually finally under construction again. And it's going to be the resort world, the resorts world, which is right across the street from um, the uh, the Encore, which is like on the northern. Sure. If you're in Las yeah. Vegas, yeah. it's by where the, the stratosphere mm-hmm. needle is. And so like like my parents had their honeymoon at the Stardust. Oh, my God. Like, people really went there. And so that's when I was like, well, where did the Stardust go? I'm like, well, we just tore it down. I'm like, how could you have done that? <laughs> like, that's a part of – I mean, like, imagine if the Stardust was there. That would have been the ultimate gay casino. Yeah, Because sure. the gay guys would have moved in and it would they would have turned it into something fabulous. But, no, they had to turn and build, build something bigger. But yeah. would, uh, another, so that's a shame. Another thing that I'm very fascinated with the Stardust in this movie is all of the media coverage that they have for goddess like where are these interviews being aired 
Like, I don't really think that, like... <laughs> Who are these cameras? I don't know if, like, showgirls were on covered on, like, They're Entertainment on Tonight or anything. They're on the in the heavens, because that's where Nomi Malone lives. That's where they're happening. <laughs> but just, like, where where is all of this footage going? Like, who's watching this yeah. on TV? Like, maybe, you know, Entertainment Tonight would go out to Vegas for the start of a new showgirl review. Oh, if even that. I don't know. I don't know. For a new Britney Spears con- concert. Yeah. yeah. But like, no, for uh, a sh- for a regular Las Vegas show. I mean, can you imagine that news conference every time a Cirque du Soleil show opened? No. No. That was, that was absurd. Yeah. But I mean, it's a great clip. Yes. Do we have that clip? Yeah, it's there. Oh, let's, uh, let's take a listen, shall we? Because this is kind of amazing. We could have brought anyone into this show. Latoya, Suzanne, you name it. We wanted Crystal. Crystal Connors defines what Las Vegas is all about. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's very, very sexy. How does it feel to be back in what Vegas? What about Broadway? Miss Connors, how did you feel about the show tonight? I think it's the best show I've ever been in. I only hope I can do it justice. You did, my dear, and you will. There's uh, like... Yeah, can you do it? I love the reference, like, we could have had anyone, and one of the stars of reference is Suzanne. <laughs> But Suzanne Summers had a Vegas Suzanne, review. Can you imagine Suzanne Summers? Oh God, that would have been the only casting choice. Can you imagine if Elizabeth Berkeley wasn't available and oh they got God. Suzanne Summers? And like you know, as a, I mean, just the thought that they that whoever that whoever wrote that line, if it was Joe Estrahouse or someone else, they're like, you know. Who is an amazing star that Latoya we can Latoya Jackson, yeah. Janet Jackson, Paul Abdul, and who else is at that level? Suzanne, Suzanne Summers. Summers. But doesn't he say <laughs> also Latoya? I want to see sing and dance with no bra. <laughs> like, <that. laughs> I mean, yeah. Suzanne did have a Vegas review in the early '80s after she left Three's Company. I don't believe it was topless, and I would just pay real money to see her in, in Goddess. But yeah, he mentions Janet and Paula, but he also mentions Latoya. I got news for you. Maybe Janet would do Showgirls. Maybe. Latoya is so like Jehovah's Witness. I don't think she would touch this with a 10-foot no. pole. So, <laughs> uh, neither would Paula well, that's for that matter. We'll do- well, I mean, if that's what you're going to – if that's the, the shred of realism you're going to focus on <laughs> with showgirls, yeah. that's the detail that you are choosing yes. to focus. Well, that never would have happened. You would never have <laughs> that's had – That's the one La- thing. Latoya Jackson would have never agreed to be in Goddess. Well, then why bother watching the rest Every, of the everything else, I mean, cr- Everything else, solid. <laughs> Latoya everything uh, else pulls me out of the movie. Just <laughs> – Rock salad foundation, but the reference to Latoya Jackson just, pulls me right out. It just wasn't quite realistic. Yep, yep. That's what that's that's yeah. what gets me. <laughs> that's a peek into my like s- stupid brain. Yeah. <laughs> oh mercy! I feel like to me, you know, we're talking a lot about the performances. Gina Gershon knows exactly what movie she's in. Um, I Which, think, and, and to be fair, that and to be fair, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. to be fair, like that is a, that was a line from the VIP edition of Showgirls, like the guy and whoever his name was who did such a good job with mm-hmm. with that with that DVD. Um, you know, with his, he was the one who sort of coined that, like you know, Gina Gershon knew knew, knew exactly what she was doing, you know, and yeah. that was and so credit to him sure. for sort of anointing, you know, Gina Gershon as as 
you know, have being able to rise above the the catastrophe of what, you know, what this movie did to other people's careers because she clearly did have fun with it. Yeah. And it's good that he is the one who pointed it out. His name is She really walked into every scene and you can see she got this twinkle in her eye where she was just having a blast, you know, and like, and she, of course she took it seriously, but it, you know, kudos, it isn't, you know, I just, it's, I also want to, you know, make the, the VIP, the guy who did the VIP edition for the DVD, David Schumacher. That's his name. David, I mean, he, you know, as you mentioned, he is largely responsible for for everything the showgirls has become, of yeah. reminding people about how wonderful it was. And it's thing, you know, references like that. So you I'm sorry, who, but please keep going. You know who else knew what movie she was making? Mama Bazoom. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh. She was committed. You're, I feel like whenever, I remember when I first watched this movie with you, I feel like you were just repulsed and just scandalized by that character. I'm not repulsed. repulsed. I just I was repulsed by the character. I just not don't understand. Yeah, the character. I just don't understand the idea of like a warm-up act in a strip club that's like a heavy set middle-aged woman that does insult comedy but also shows her tits. You're the only one that and, could get my tits popping. And, <laughs> and suggest that you roll her in flour to find the wet so oh god. To find the to find the <laughs> wet spot. You know like just I can't even it was and again, who writes these lines for women? I mean, who yeah. what were they thinking? Like why would you have a woman say something like that? Like it just yeah. like that that's actually the only like you, we talk about things in this movie that bother us. I was actually not bothered by the rape scene. Mm-hmm. I was bothered by Henrietta. I was bothered <laughs> by the fact that they had this woman just saying these horrible yeah. things about herself yeah. with no with no sense of irony with no double entendre you know like you know when you have you know um Estelle Getty insulting B Arthur and Golden yeah. Girls it was funny and you know we went to find out later that B Arthur you know that's why pretty much why she ended up quitting Golden Girls she was tired of of being called ugly on the show mm-hmm. over and over you know every episode and um but at least there was a wink to it and it was kind of funny so it is possible to insult people and have yeah. it be funny. And with Henrietta talking about how re- how physically repulsive she was, it's like, well, I never would have even thought about it until you're telling me. And, like, I have no choice but to agree. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's just why would you torture an audience like this? And that was the – I mean, the, really, that's the character, the only thing that, that bothered me. I would say – Showgirls, you, you may be surprised to know, but Showgirls is not a perfect film. No. That's <laughs> No. I would say the intention behind Mama Bazoom's like insult comedy routine is like, well, she's taking the power back and she's like putting these men in their place. But you're right. The way she goes about it and the things that she says are just like, what the fuck? I I would have. She doesn't succeed. What did she say? Like, I'd have to piss on you. To give you a clue. clue. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? And also she's like, there are ways. I mean, Gina Gershon, I thought was very. Very empowered when she was there naked and dancing around in, you know, just her poise. Yeah, she she knew exactly what she was doing, and she was the one in control of the scene. And when you have you know Mama Bazooms or whatever mm-hmm. insulting herself, she she was not accomplishing what she was sending out to do. Mm-hmm. Just because you say, "Oh, I'm taking the power back," 
no, but you're not. You're insulting yourself and you're making me agree with you. Like that's not funny. It's not, it is not a, it is not just because a woman insults herself. Like it doesn't mean that she's doing anything for feminism. Like, and these men who wrote, you know, these men who wrote this script that was just so devoid of any concept of reality of how women speak. Yes. Of like, you know, like these, these, the men who created this movie are so completely oblivious (laughs) to women being humans you know, and it's like this is what they think women do. They yeah. think women sit around and do their nails and talk about it, and they think women think it's funny to insult themselves yeah. of the way that you know. It's like it's not. It is not funny. You know, and like it just shows just how completely, completely gone from any concept of reality this script really is. That these men think that this is what any woman would ever say. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, I've never in my life heard a woman speak this way about herself or, you know, like it's just, it just, the words didn't even make, you know, it's like, who, I don't even know who's saying these words. So it was a terrible, terrible character. <laughs> and the only bad character in the movie, in my opinion, but everyone else was flawless. Speaking I mean, of insane dialogue that, um, kind of you don't know how it's coming out of their mouths do we want to talk about the doggy chow scene which is like <laughs> yeah the guy the guy who does the commentary calls it the crown jewel of showgirls because what he talks about the scene is that they're having this ridiculous conversation in the forum at spago about eating doggy chow and just kind of when you're watching it your brain is kind of thinking like what is the intent behind these lines yes. that joe estraus wrote and what he said the brilliance of it is that there's nothing there's no subtext behind it at all. So no. Side I note. I think that people take it seriously because, I mean, this was, I mean, this was definitely Elizabeth Berkeley's best scene, mm-hmm. you know, and like this was because the, they were sitting, the cameras were close, the actresses were close to each other, everything could be more restrained, and Elizabeth Berkeley was able to just you know, sort of say the lines and not overdo everything yes. that like the director was asking her to do. And in, you know, they delivered these, these horrible lines, <sighs> like, you know, and there really wasn't anything to it, but just the way that they're looking at each other, they were, it was so absurdly, unrealistically, sexually, sexually tense I mean, like it was. Well, let's 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 take a it, listen to a clip really quickly, and then we'll then we'll dissect it even more. How about that? Because I've, uh, I've got a bit of doggy chow. Here we I'm go. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I mean, like this is. <laughs> I just. I'm going to get so wound up. I mean, like I'm. I'm getting short of breath. Like I mean, I'm glad you interrupted me because I'm getting like I'm thinking about it, and like you can't. I can't be expected to commute. Okay, you're well, going to play it, and I'm going to be fine. Let's listen, and then I'll give you a chance to, to catch a okay. breath, and then we'll okay. we'll come back to it. I'll be okay. All right, here we go. I've had dog food. <laughs> <laughs> you have? Mm-hmm. Long time ago. Doggy chow. I used to love doggy chow. <laughs> I used to love doggy chow, too. Toasting of the chips. You get a hit 
It's holy water. This is holy water. <laughs> oh. oh, God. I, I can feel it. Holy water. Chris Lee Connors used to have ginger brown hair and little baby tits. It's amazing what paint and a surgeon can do. Cheers. So good. It's, oh my god, I just love it so much. Yeah. It is so. I mean, Elizabeth Berkeley's finest performance, right there. And yeah. It was so. Oh. I love that she says. How do people not like? How do people not like this movie? I love that she <laughs> says. So I, I named myself after this holy water, like it's crystal, right? It's so her. It's, like, it's her Versace joke. So it's her. Yeah, right. It's so, her Versace. So she couldn't. She couldn't pronounce crystal correctly and she's crystal but then she goes on to say that like her actual name is crystal lee connor so it's like not really that much of a stretch that she went from crystal lee crystal light i don't know which <laughs> crystal lee connor's had ginger brown hair that whole lot like none of that little makes... bitty tits and lady bitty t- <laughs> So we talked a little bit in our Basic Instinct episode oh. about the stilted dialogue yes. in in Basic Instinct and how yeah. these actors tried their best to make it, you know, not sound like two like Euro trash guys like on a train talking about like we're going to make sex after the club, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but like the thing is, Joe Esterhouse while he sounds crazy European, is from America. So yeah. it's not even like, oh, well, Verhoeven, he's from Denmark, and English is probably his like third or fourth language. Well, he didn't write the damn thing. Esterhouse did, and Esterhouse is American. So there's no excuses for the crazy stilted dialogue. Uh, it maybe is just that Joe Esterhouse, just his only interactions with women as like a straight, cis, white male you know, up through the 90s is just uh, not very surface. And so he did not not understand how to write for women. But when he listens to women, that's probably how they sound to him. He probably right. he probably only hears certain words that they say. I mean, you know, because I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard a rumor that sometimes straight guys don't really listen to women as that, much what? as women no. would like them to. That's not and so, real. You know, when he's like, these are, they sort of, the words coming out of the woman's mouth mm-hmm. go through the straight male filter. filter, Yeah. And that's the way that they, that's what they hear. And honestly, this is, that's also a lot of it is, you know, kind of the way that a lot of men would prefer to communicate. Let's keep things simple. True. So it it's not, you know, and also there's also the fact when, you know, these things all seem so stilted because there's a lot of pauses to create this sexual tension that if you're going to have a conversation about eating dog food, how <laughs> do we make it sexy? Well, the way you make a conversation about dog food sexy is you have the actresses in like this lesbianic <laughs> like eye lock. And, of course, eating chips because that's what we've already established in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's what women do. They eat chips to, sh- for, to show camaraderie. Yep. And, you know, oh, let's eat chips together. And um, and so these women, they're eating their chips and they're looking at each other like hot, steamy porn lesbians that a straight <laughs> guy thinks lesbians would look at each other like. Yeah. And like, OK, we've got to make this conversation sexy. And so and it's sort of. You know, when they say, well, it's about nothing, the whole idea is that we're going to – there's so much sexual energy between Nomi and Crystal that they can be talking about dog food 
and it's still foreplay. Yeah. And the fact that they're sitting there having this absurd conversation and like, you know, talk, you know, as the minutes tick on, they're sliding further and further off each, their own chairs because they're just getting <laughs> so excited that like I can look at you and talk about eating doggy chow. And I still want to, you know, get you naked and put ice on your nipples. And like, <laughs> it's just, you know, and this, you know, and I'm sure that the Joe Estrahaus and and Paul Verhoeven were like, that's hot. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It is not. Yeah. It is not hot. But to them, it probably was because they're looking at women as if they're objects, you yeah. know, and they're thinking that they're doing women some big favor by me. It's almost, movie. it's almost like the way you said it is a conversation they had where they, where they were just like, yes. And they just, they just are so hot for each other. And there's sex, the sexual tension is so strong. You could cut it with knife. And even if they talk about dog food, it's still sexy. And Esther house is like, yes, I got it. I'm going to write up a scene and like literally wrote that very scene that they were talking about, you know, because they were just jerking love- each other off. And I, I love that you, um, for you, Paul Verhoeven is Russian. Oh yeah, that's, and that yeah. <laughs> he's very, you know, every, everything else his mouth comes out like this. Give everybody anyone from Europe has a Russian accent, you know? Like, yeah. Yes, get, and we're talking head. about dog food. We talk <laughs> about dog food. It's so sexy. We cut tension with knife. So. <laughs> and Esther House is like, "I got you, fam. Let me write this up." Nah. And he comes out with this yeah. like this gem of a of an exchange. We. Uh, uh, awful. We went to the last time we were at uh, the shops at uh, at Caesars at the forum shops. It we, still looks exactly the same. Caesar sing. Unfortunately, we did not see Caesar sing. Um, but uh, we were there to see Celine sing, and she got the flu for crying out we loud. And walked canceled. up to the we walked up to the forum, and it was the Coliseum, and it was canceled. Yeah, so uh, womp womp. But we did go to Spago. We didn't eat there, but we were just like Crystal and Nomi. We sat. just marveled at the t- yeah. at the table, and I was like, that is right where the Texans <laughs> walk in. Yeah. yeah, I actually I went there, and I was pretty underwhelmed because I was expecting to to see the the Caesars forum shops mm-hmm. from the movie. Yeah. And there's no Caesar singing. No. There, that is not a thing. No, not at all. You cannot see Caesar sing. There's no singing, uh, you know, Roman gods in this no. place. And so I went and I was like, oh, well, there's the table. There's Spago. There's the tables. This sucks. Let's go. Because <laughs> I was expecting like, you know, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. Like having <laughs> this guy with the laurel wreath and everything. And I was like, oh, they, I want you to anoint me with, with champagne. They build it Doesn't up so happen. much. Yeah, seeing Caesar sing. Another, another another thing that the, you know, the showgirls lied to us. Yeah. It does not happen. Damn it. Damn them. Are we going to talk about uh, Showgirls 2 Pennies from Heaven? <laughs> I have never I, I, I have never not seen it. it. I never no. saw it. No, pointless. I was just that, that was She was hot, but she was a terrible act. She was she was a terrible actress that whoever played Penny, Penny. I forget I oh, forget her uh, name. It's Lorna um Left. Lorna Luft. Yes. Lorna Luft. Yes. Now that I would have. Her name. Seen. Her name is Rena Riffle. Rena Riffle. That what? sounds like a witness yeah. protection name. That does sound like a witness protection name. Um, but you know what? Uh, speaking of Penny, uh, Robert Davi, who plays the uh, Al 
from the cheetah. He's like he's like the father figure of Nomi, the fucked up father figure. He's got some yeah. stupid lines, but he's committing. I mean, he's fully in this, playing just this like sleazy like strip club general manager. I like, and him. they really yeah. And actually, and I I um, having lived in New York as a as a younger person, you know, you really do encounter club managers who are that disgusting yeah. and they are, and they do, you know, and even though I wasn't a stripper, but they do, you know, if you want to work there, you have to have sex with them. And, and, you know, once you get used to the money, then he's going to start making you swallow, (laughs) which is the, which is the line. And, you know, and, um, yeah, I wouldn't know anything about it, (laughs) but it's like suddenly, really, how do you know but like I do, I having worked in nightclubs um, in in New York mm-hmm. back when I was young and thin. Oh yeah, I you know these I I didn't enjoy him because I was like, well, that's really what they're like. Yeah, man. a little too close to home. Gross. Well, but his yeah, but he was he was creepy. But I mean, you know, you know, I mean, but he does have I mean the best line in the movie. You know, must be weird not having anyone come on, come you. on, you. come on, yeah, <laughs> and like. And he and talk about commitment, like for for him to say must must be weird not having anybody come, come on you. Like he saves the emphasis, you know, he gives the the C in the word come. Yeah. Just a extra little bit of, you know, je ne sais quoi. Oh, yeah. That when he he delivers that line, I mean he really does elevate it. That it's like <laughs> and it's I mean, that's the best line in the movie. I'm and imagining good for him. I'm imagining him and his trailer with the script and, and just going, not having anyone come on you. Not having anyone come, come on, on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not having anyone come What's on you. That's it. I found it. Yeah. Not having anyone. That's his, not having anyone come on you. Yeah. Not having anyone come on you. That's his process. <laughs> <laughs> And then we never see him again. I know. And then he's gone. That's like him and that's like him and, and uh, Henrietta's like little uh They come in and say hi to Nomi. Yeah. They have their to re- swan song. Yeah. They have to remind Nomi of where she came from. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's her they're like yeah. they're like cowardly lion. Like, I don't miss you most of all, Mama Bazoom. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one that could get my tits popping. Uh, I do. I would. You want to know how they how they did the dress though? Like how did right? I mean, what, what 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 remote control? Are they prosthetic I nipples? Never, almost. I, I don't know. I have I have never seen any evidence of how they got her dress when she would make that move. Yeah. How the top of her dress would flop, you know, move down. Yeah. I mean, that's the magic of moves. movies, right there. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's Hollywood, <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> that's Hollywood. What? Right there. <laughs> Wow. Oh my goodness. What have we not covered in this movie? So um much. I want to say my favorite shot of the movie that I always get so excited when it happens oh. is when it's the scene following when Nomi pushes Crystal down the stairs and they're running outside and Crystal's being hauled off into the ambulance. It drives away and there's this beautiful shot of Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah. And she takes off the wig and she has the most evil look on her face it's my favorite shot of the movie it's all lighting yes yeah <laughs> it's but like it's so it's beautiful elizabeth. and you just get this expression on elizabeth fa- elizabeth's face and that's kind of one of the things that elizabeth is best in this movie is just when her, she's sort of reacting like whenever she's just reacting 
to scenes. Yeah. It's like when she first introduces Andrew Carver to well, Molly. Well, because she's not saying because she's not. She's not yeah. saying anything. Her yeah. best moments are it's, when she's not actually she's saying any lies. And it's, it's like, and there's also that look of when she introduces Andrew Carver to Molly, and she just sort of turns her head, and you're just like, is she like, did, like, does she have Molly's best intentions? I don't know. It's like she, she just gave this look. Yeah. But she just has this look on she her face. She had though. the best intentions, and the only weird look she got was when Andrew Carver. Was like, didn't he say something like, "I can yes. smell your pussy"? Mm-hmm. I can smell your, yeah, I can smell your cunt. And like, she, she has this moment when she is concerned that he's and that a she bad knows. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Molly's so excited to be there that she decides that she's just going to hope for the best. No, Molly, Nomi Malone is of true heart, and she <laughs> is. She is the, you know, she, Molly, or, you know, Nomi only wants the best for her friends. Mm-hmm. She's a good person and she is not offering up Molly to, you know, to the be slaughter. sacrificed to Andrew Carver. Right. And it's like that, that. I know it's exactly what you're talking about. And the look that she gives of con- that's her concerned face mm. that she learned clearly in acting school. They're like, <laughs> OK, when when you're concerned, what we need you to do is we need you to like hold and linger and like move slowly away from the camera. Cause that shows that, you know, you're questioning something. <laughs> she learned that she's like, Oh, I finally get to use this look that I learned oh, in my acting class. <laughs> we feel so bad for Molly. That oh, actress is so Molly. good too. She's really good. I think that she's, she's really a good, actress. good. Yeah. She's a very good actress. Yeah. I would say I would say that Molly, I forget her name. I would say that she technically speaking is the best actor in the movie. Kyle McLaughlin was also very good. Yes. Yeah. Gina Gershon was the most deli- she had the most delicious performance. Mm-hmm. She has the but she has it, the funner role of yeah. the movie. Yes, Gina Gershon was in the most indulgent. Gina Gershon was the most, you know, um, sort of double entendre. Mm-hmm. You know, she had the most fun with it. But in terms of a legitimate, like, you know, what you'd put on your reel, because yeah. of course all these actors are putting showgirls on their on their mm-hmm. professional reels. Um, like, if you're going to talk about who gave technically the most the most honest performance, Molly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she definitely did a a very good job with what she was given, and Kyle McLaughlin also did a good job. Gina and, uh, R- Rivera. That's her name. What is her name? Gina um, Rivera, I think. Yep. Yeah. And she went on to do, wasn't she in Lost? Or she was in something. She, she ended was, up going on to She was in The in Closer. Else, so. She was in The Closer, yeah. Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, she did some TV. She, yeah. So she's, yeah, so she she's steadily ended up having her career. So she has steadily worked. Good. You know, it's like, hopefully this movie doesn't follow people around. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, but again, Kyle McLaughlin did a good job. It just... Um, in terms of like, I mean, there were legitimate, there were legitimate performances that escaped the, the Paul Verhoeven machine of making everything <laughs> as obnoxious as possible, which I yeah. should was obnoxious. It was flawless, but we noticed when we were watching basic instinct, or I noticed that the woman who's taking Nomi's identification, uh, in HR at the casino uh-huh. is in basic, basic instinct. instinct. Yep. Yeah, so he, he has his, his little troop. I feel like James's character is interesting because 
he what does he do for Nomi as a character? Like he because ultimately at the end he's just fucks with Penny and Naomi's uh, Nomi's just like screw you dude like I don't know. I feel, and that's why he lifts right out. You know, we kind of forgot about him. We were like, "What the hell is that character's name again?" I don't know what. Yeah, I don't. What to make I, of him? I wasn't. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it says a lot about him, and he wasn't. We got kind of a cool Prince song in. Uh, I think Prince was supposed to do more songs in the soundtrack, and that's kind of just what they ended up using too. Mm-hmm. I think he was supposed uh, to sort of score the movie with songs. Interesting. Can you imagine? That would have been great. If that had happened. That would have been great. Um, we have a little... Like, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Imagine right. if this movie had starred Charlize Theron with music by Prince. What oh, a movie this would yeah. be. <laughs> be having a different but conversation. Instead, we did not get that. I'm just envisioning <laughs> the poster of the of the little tease photo, yeah. but with Charlize. Yeah. Um, we have a clip... So what was your favorite... Okay, so I have a question. Sure. Um, what was your favorite... What's your favorite scene in Showgirls? I think my favorite scene is when she pushes Crystal down the stairs. Why? Just because I love that just blatant push <laughs> that she just like fucking pushes her. Just so cunty. Yeah. She pushes her and mm-hmm. then no one, and then they're like, well, what happened? What, who knew? I no just saw her saw go anything. down. And like, well, she, I mean, how could you have not, how did the people behind them how, yeah. not see her? I do mean, that? those are steep stairs. I'm surprised that nobody's tripped down those stairs before. Yeah. But yeah, that's like the Chuckoff's gun of this movie. When you see those <laughs> oh stairs, God. you know that someone's going to fall down them. And yes. that, I think that's my favorite scene of the movie. Chekhov's gun. <laughs> it's the is the Chekhov's I, stairs. I think. Let's see. My favorite scene in the movie. I don't know. There's so much. Like, although I do really like the switchblade scene at the beginning because it always makes me laugh every time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I mean, I have to say, I've got to be the basic bitch and just say, like, Nomi furiously eating, like, dipping her French fries into the ketchup, throwing it and. Th- throwing it and and i and i love her delivery of different places so so her her meet cute with molly on the strip where she pukes into this into the street and almost gets run over by like a semi (laughs) sets the scene the scene for their entire relationship what about you dan what's your favorite scene in the movie absolutely and it's just i do maybe it's because it's 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 at the end and my passion for this movie has built steadily scene by scene Mm -hmm. and climaxed when she um (laughs) i can't even say it (laughs) when when she looks at andrew carver when she goes back to (sighs) um she goes to andrew carver's room and she takes off her top and he tells her he compliments her of course Mm -hmm. as you do a lady you know and like when when a when a Las Vegas dancer comes to your room and takes her top off, of course you give her a compliment yes. because it's the gentlemanly thing, gentlemanly right. thing to do. And she looks at him and says, wait, do you see them with, with the, with and the, and the, with the says, wait, wait until you see me bottomless. Bottomless. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> and it's still and wait until you see me bottomless. And she just looks at him and she's got this like, you know, this, this, 
um, Saved by the Bell wink and the smile, yeah. like you know, just that's how that's how Elizabeth Berkeley decided to deliver that line, like da 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 da, da you know, <laughs> and says, "Wait to see me bottomless," and not thirty seconds later, she's he's licking. And I just, I never understood she had lipstick on her nipples. I thought they were pasties. You almost think, it, you yeah. almost think that it's poison, too. <laughs> I, that's, I was hoping. That's what I was hoping. And I was like, I don't understand what's on her nipples. I feel like something on her nipples, there should have been something about that. Yeah. Because she's clearly got, I don't know if it was pasties, but I thought it was lipstick. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then how did lipstick not come off on her? On, on her, her top. Yeah. Her, her top, her course or whatever. And she pulls out that switchblade and proceeds to beat the living hell out of him. <laughs> I, I scream every time. That's I great. scream mm-hmm. and I cackle. Elizabeth Berkeley had no concern no. for how she looked. No. She was just, I mean, she was method. <laughs> she was, I mean, she, like, she goes she for was, it. She was pulling from a place deep within. Yeah. And when she was beating up Andrew Carver, the snarls. On yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you. It was like. You saw it, it when just, you saw it when she was at the cheetah in the early scenes in the movie and she gets completely naked. And she's popping that pussy all over the place. She is committed to this role and she's committed, committed to b- kicking in Andrew Carver's face. On I mean, camera. she beats the living hell out of him, and it is it is a glorious sight to behold. It is, and it is. I mean, and it's nice to see the bad guy get beat up. Yeah, it's, and it's also yeah. it's also satisfying watching you know a beautiful woman beat up a man. You know, I mean, like there's yes. all these Hollywood cliches, but it's also the fact that she does it with such a plum that you know to 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 watch this scene. Is to love the movie. Indeed. It's just indeed, yeah, perfect. It is my absolute, and it's and you, you know, and again, it's the pretty much the final scene because then she goes and you know says goodbye to Molly, and then yeah. she's out on the strip, and oh, she meets the guy in the truck. Same oh, guy. she's on her way to Hollywood, the circle of life, and then she's <laughs> off to her next victim. Oh man, I want my suitcase. So, uh, <laughs> but that movie, I mean, I mean that scene, it just. I finally, I don't know. I mean, just all that that energy that she was delivering every line. It was so forced and so forced, and yeah. finally, it was the there's like the one moment of authenticity. And it's like I sort of feel like that scene was a different movie, from which sure. not a better or worse movie. It sure. was just like her, you know. And look, and this is how overanalyzed. Yeah, I am with this movie, but like you know, I really I've watched that over and over and over again, and I rewind it, and I'm like, good for Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> they probably well, did you that. know maybe she has a, a future as an action star. I mean, who knows? Hey, there you go. They probably did that scene probably pretty late in production, and she was just so this character of Nomi was just so much a part of her. <laughs> I think that's why you got that performance. Yeah, like you said, well, method. It's a part of, but Nomi is a part of us all. Oh my you goodness. Know? We all have a little bit of Nomi within us. <laughs> um, we all have a, a, a stripper with a terrible past. That's true. I know and, I do. 
in questionable acting. <laughs> so the YouTuber Matt Baum kind of mentions it on You Don't Know Me, but he relates it to the gay community that Nomi kind of finds her, she finds her people for good or for bad, it, it, even though some of these people yeah. are pretty awful. She finds her community, and I think that's why this movie speaks to the gay community too. Cause, and especially kind of moving from a small town to like a big city. And kind of that whole journey that a lot of gay men go on. Mm-hmm. Um, the gay community, and specifically, and I say gay, you know, and say LGBTQ, because yeah. it's, yes. it's particularly mm-hmm. among gay men. Yes. That there is, you know, this idea that, oh, well, gay men are dramatic. Well, it's not really just dramatic. I mean, like, you know, growing up in life, you have to defend yourself, um, you know, in a very cis hetero world. And you do that, you, you, know, you can't always, you know, put up your fists and fight everything. So you have to yell and scream and be dramatic and, and sort of distracting and, you know, make jokes about things and give yeah. people, you know, you know, you know, cut people down quickly yep. and, you know, just verbally eviscerate them <clears throat> very efficiently and get it over with. And so everything is very extreme. And so when you see a movie like this, gay men are just going to be more patient with it. And yeah. gay men are going to look past the uh the the hey you know the 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 noise and like really focus on like okay well what is really going on here because this movie is more than just someone thrashing herself around in a swimming pool having extremely unerotic sex (laughs) because even if it were erotic the gay men you know probably wouldn't really be that turned on by it anyway so at least the gay men can look at this from an objective perspective and be like, what is this movie really saying? And and that's when you look at it objectively and give it a minute. That's why you can really be like, wait, this movie's actually fantastic and a lot of fun. It's like, look, this movie is, is an artistic achievement. It's ridiculous, (laughs) but it, it is still, I mean, every scene has purpose every line you know they're saying it for a reason even the dog food scene before this episode becomes you know three hours long and we need to like upgrade our you know (laughs) our podcasting account to to hold it i just want to say a couple of things dan renzi um yes thank you so much for coming on this show this was so much so much fun but i do really want to just tell you that you know so many years ago when you were on the real world for people like Scott and myself being young gay kids, seeing somebody that was a hundred percent themselves represented on a TV show on cable on MTV on the coolest channel on earth on the coolest time at the time on the coolest show on that channel at the time seeing you. Yeah. Seeing you and you were so cute and you were just like, but you were unapologetic. You, you were know? authentically yourself. Yeah. And that really did a lot for, mm-hmm. I think that really did a lot for, for young gay kids. Especially you know? me at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard it before, but you know, that was, that was something and that meant something to people and, you know, to me in particular and to Scott and, um, 
yeah, that was that was really cool. And when you did reach out to us, it was a real gag worthy moment for the two of us. We were very much like, <laughs> "Holy shit, dude!" That's very, that's very nice of you to say. And I do hear it all the time. Yeah, I do. I do get this. You know, it's been. I we filmed in 1996. Yeah. yeah. So you know, do the math. Yeah. The the, for the real world. The first time the real world. Um, you know, and back then, reality TV, there was no reality TV. It was just that yeah. show. Yeah, it was it. And um, so, you know, you our contracts, it was like, you know, you film the show and then go on with your, you're done. Mm-hmm. You have no obligations to MTV. MTV has no obligations to you. You know, it's actually, the, it wasn't really MTV. It was the production company, Buna Murray Productions, right. mm-hmm. which, you know, now they do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it became so much bigger than anyone would have ever thought because you know when i did the real world it was just this like it was a very cool show but mm-hmm. one of the reasons it was cool was because it was kind of a small thing you know and like everybody knew about it but it wasn't like people just didn't really know what to make of it and it just it hadn't really blown up and it's funny cuz like i think you know a little while ago someone mentioned the real world the original sort of og real worlders like us mm-hmm. And mentioned that we were the original, the the original Instagram influencers. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you know, like we were influencers before Instagram was a thing. Because you know, when after the show, and once we started doing challenges, um, we started getting hired. We would get paid thousands of dollars to show up at a a bar. Yeah, and we would, and they would say, "Oh yeah. well, so and so from the real world is here." And I remember the first time I did it. I showed up and they're like, okay, thanks for coming. And I was like, and I was like, well, what do I do? And they're like, well, you're just here. Yeah. You're just, just VIP. And I'm and like, so I stood at the door and welcomed <laughs> everyone and said, thank you for coming. Like I was the doorman because I was like, well, my name is on the thing yeah. and I'm not going to perform. I need something to do. And they're like, no, you don't actually have to do this. I'm like, no, I want to. And I actually had a blast and everyone was and I, like, you know, smiled and took pictures with people or whatever. And I was like, thanks for coming to my party. And I was exhausted at the end of the night because I worked harder than any of the bartenders. Yeah, And we just, we had no, we were making it up as we went. And we, I would always, you know, always have people come up and say, I grew up in Wyoming. Yeah. I grew up in Delaware. I grew up in such and such place. And, you know, you were the only gay person that I knew. Or, you know, I watched this show with my parents mm-hmm. and my parents knew I was gay mm-hmm. and they wanted to have the conversation. So we would watch you and we would talk about it. And it's so much bigger yeah. than me, you know, like yeah. it wasn't, and, you know, I did the things I did and, you know, I, I'm proud of things on the show and there's some things in the show I wish I hadn't said or wish I hadn't done. But in the end, the end result is this is not about me. It's about this institution of providing a voice for people. And you have to, you know, and I have to be very aware that it means a lot to people to have seen this show. And just like it meant a lot to me when I watched Norm, you know, he was in the very first season in New York. Norm Corpy. And yeah. And like. And I had a lot more gay storylines than Norm did. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I had all sorts of gay storylines oh, on yeah. that season. And, um, 
but it's not about me. It's about what this means to other people. Yeah. And so when people say, oh, it really meant a lot, every time I hear it, you know, it's been 20 some years later, yeah. it's still like, wow. Yeah. You know, you think about what a different time it was back then. And you think, and, and, I, and which is also why it's frustrating when you've got these young kids who they don't care about history. They don't mm-hmm. understand. Like they, all they care about Stonewall is that it's a reason to have a party yeah. and drink during the day in public. And like, you don't understand what we went through. Yeah. You don't understand what it was like for my family, you know, having people, you know, standing on the street screaming at my parents' house because everyone knew, you know, where I live. Yeah. And it was screaming that a faggot lives there. And you don't know what it's like, you know, to have like my little brother in high school be bullied Mm -hmm. as much as he was. And the teachers thought it was funny and which still happens today. Of course. And, you know, you don't know what it's what it was like for, you know, when Johnny, the guy I was dating, when we were sitting there and he was like, I want to kiss you. But the subtext of being like, there's a camera here. Yeah. And like the like and we had tried several times to kiss on camera and we were always too scared to do it. And finally, we're like, let's do it. And they put it on TV. And I remember the first time I saw that I was watch. I was watching that scene with my father and he looked at it and he made a face like he was disgusted. (laughs) And he was like, oh, Jesus. And then he sort of watched it for a minute and his face relaxed and he was like, oh, okay. And it's like, you know, I wasn't thinking about the world. I was thinking about my parents, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was also a really big experience. And when people say that it meant something to them, well, it meant something to me too. Yeah. And so we can sort of have this together and like, you know, this wasn't a performance. It was me. And yeah. I appreciate that people recognize what was going on. So like to everybody who has ever said anything or wishes to ever say anything, I I never get tired of hearing it. And as long as people are polite, I do get yeah. tired of people interrupting me when I'm in the middle of dinner and, you know, <laughs> people are obnoxious. But the obnoxious parts have sort of calmed down. And yeah. now it's people who really, you know, and they have they really want me to hear them when they say this meant a lot to me. And I do hear it. Yeah, I do. I recognize it. I do. I do understand what it means. And I understand that, yes, it's a compliment for me because I'm the one who did it. But it's not, you know, it's it's bigger than me. Yeah, it's what this meant at the time. So that's my little monologue. I did not have that prepared. I apologize for <laughs> rambling on. No, no, no. It was great. That this was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, for this, sure. It was a big deal. It and was. people, you know, now gay people are all over TV. And mm-hmm. I think people a lot of times are a little, you know, they, they take it for granted yeah, and they for sure. are a little, a little arrogant about it back then. Oh, it took every ounce of self-esteem. I mean, every day waking up and being like, Oh God, I'm on TV, you know, and yeah. just those, you know, trying to go eat breakfast with a camera in my face. And like every single thing that I said and did, I was like, everything is going to be up for scrutiny. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. very scary. But looking back, it ended up not being a big deal. And it was, you know, life goes on and I'm not on TV anymore. So it's like. <laughs> but you're you doing, know. you're doing really great yeah. work now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the Rachel Maddow clip, it's on your Instagram. Um, do you, do you want yeah. to, do you want to plug your uh, Instagram yeah, handles so definitely. people can look you up? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's I get my name. I think I don't even know what is it. It's D dot Renzi, R E N Z I. Yeah, follow me on Instagram. Yeah, no. So for those of you who are listening at this point, this is me rambling on. If you are still listening, <laughs> first of all, thank you. Second of all, what they're mentioning is that I I had I was in New York. I work as an RN now, and I was in New York. Um, I was part of the de- the deployment that FEMA organized to staff the hospitals that were overrun with people that were sick with, with COVID-19. And um, I worked overnight shifts and you work seven days a week, no days off. And um, I don't know if you've ever worked overnights, but I just became delirious. And I was, I finally couldn't take it anymore. And I took a day off. They gave me one night off where I could just sleep. And I walked to Chipotle to get a burrito and it was right at seven o'clock at night. And that's when they do the clap for the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And, and there was this guy on a bike as I was walking out of Chipotle and he was riding down the street and he, and there's a reason I'm, this all ties into Rachel Maddow, <laughs> but there's this guy on this bike and he's riding down eighth Avenue and he's like, it's seven o'clock. It's time to clap, clap everybody. Everybody clap. It's (laughs) seven o'clock. And you heard like clap, clap, clap. And then someone else joined in clap, 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 clap. And as I walked back to this, this hotel that we were all living, we're all living in the same hotel by Central Park. And as I walked back to the hotel, the applause got louder and louder. And people started like banging pots with wooden spoons Mm -hmm. and clapping. And I was like, this is the seven o'clock clap for the nurses. And it filled the streets and i was so tired i was just i mean deliriously tired and in this instagram video i am gray because i was so i was just sleepy and bewildered you know by everything going on and i pulled out my phone to make a video and my and to and i was going to post it on instagram because I wanted to show my mom mm-hmm. and I'm crying into my phone. I'm holding the phone and I was saying like, oh, they're clapping. It's a 7 p.m. clap. And I just wanted to show it to my mom, but put it on Instagram so she could see it. And uh, Rachel Maddow ended up seeing it. And uh, she ended up putting doing an entire segment of her show all about me crying into the phone, into my phone be, you know, and like, and I had made some other Instagram videos about yeah. like my experience and what I thought and how awful it was and how, you know, and because my job working in New York, I was being as big as I am. People don't realize I'm like six foot three. And mm-hmm. as big as I was, my job in this hospital was when someone would die, I would help the the patient's nurse put that person in a body bag. And oh, so I yeah. had to lift the person and mm-hmm. put them in the bag and wrap them up. Wow. You have to wrap them in gauze, kind of mummify them a little yeah. bit and tie up their hands, you know, put tape over their eyeballs. And I mean, there's a whole thing. And I did it over and over and over again in this hospital. And so, um, I would talk about that and Rachel Maddow ended up doing an entire clip about it. And, you know, ended up on her show and people yeah. and like and people my the next morning, you know, after, you know, several days went by and also my phone is blowing up and everyone's like, oh, my God, you're in Rachel Maddow. I'm like, what are you <laughs> talking about? 
And I had no, you know, and they had said, well, can we use a clip of yours for a segment? And I said, sure. Well, I didn't realize they're going to do a whole story. Yeah. So um, if I'm de- when I'm deployed, I'm going to be deployed again to Texas mm-hmm. because that is the now the place where everybody's dying. Yeah. And um, I do not say people pass. Oh, he passed. He passed away. This is people are not passing away. This is a violent, painful, long, drawn out death that people with COVID, they do not pass away. They die. And it is a terrible, painful death that goes on for days. And they are we keep them sedated as much as possible but you can't keep people completely unconscious. And so it's, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if people really understand the, the severity because so many people get it and they're okay, you know, and like they just get a cough for a couple of days and then they're, then they end up perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And so people see those stories, but you don't see the people, the stories of the people in the hospitals who are dying. So, I am going to go to Texas now as part of a team. I don't know if I'm going to be um, – I might go to Houston or I might go to El Paso. Mm-hmm. And um, I will be there working and we'll see what happens. So, wow. you know, I don't know how to tell people to wear masks. Yeah. Like, wear, your mask. wear your mask. Stay home. Mm-hmm. Stop hooking up on fucking Grinder. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to stay home, just put a mask just on. And a mask yes, on. if you're in a place where people aren't wearing masks, leave. Yeah. yeah. Because the mask does not really protect you if they work, if everyone's wearing them. Yeah. But like, you know, you see and I'm not going to blame gay people because straight people are doing it, too. Oh, yeah. straight people, but you see these pictures of these like, you know, like you go to fire pictures of Fire Island. Yeah, I saw everyone's weekend packed in. And I'm like, do you not realize that? I mean, you're all from New York. Do you not remember what you just went through? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I mean, it's just, you know, and I'm not moralizing about it. I'm just shaking my head thinking, well, in a month, the hospitals are going to be filled again. Yeah. You know, and it's, oh, man, you know, like. Yeah. But whatever. Well, we're doing our part to spread the word with their show, with you on it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so again much. for coming on. Wear a mask, everybody. But um, it'll be fun. It'd be fun listening to this podcast in a couple of years, and people are like, "Oh my god, remember when, when COVID was a big deal? <laughs> Do you remember yeah. when they did the podcast about showgirls and they ended it talking <laughs> about COVID?" Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been amazing. Again, I love so this movie for, so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, showgirls, man. Thank you, anyone, and you're welcome to email me, and we can we can you know debate the minutia of this movie and. <laughs> Because there's a lot know, to there's a lot to talk about. Yes, indeed. There's a lot, to and talk I feel about like we just scratched the surface of this movie. Oh, we we yeah. barely scratched the surface in this podcast. What is, what is um what's what's Nomi Malone's fake birthday, by the way? Oh, it's uh seven three seventy four. Yeah, right. Seven three seventy three. Okay, is, we sure. Don't even know the year. Seven, so we just 74. missed um Nomi Malone's birthday. Oh, a couple it days was ago. a couple days ago. I, I hope so. I saw it online. I <laughs> I had some. I, I celebrated by eating some chips. Oh, <laughs> well, we eat chips every day. You so. ate them, didn't you? <laughs> you ate them. You yeah, ate all the you chips. <laughs> Dan, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much, much for coming fun. on Thank our show. Thank you so much. My pleasure, boys. Have a wonderful night. Thank you so you much. Too. Bye. <laughs>
And thank you for listening, everybody. This was amazing. Thanks for sticking with us for so long. Great episode. Great episode. Scott, where can they find us on social media? Well, you can find us on Twitter at MTMUGpod and Facebook and Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay. Yes, indeed. While you're on iTunes, we would love it if you would rate, subscribe, and review our show. And give us five stars, please. Give us five stars. Do it for Nomi Malone. Oh, do it for Nomi. Give us five. Write us a review. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with another fresh episode. Yes. Of Movies That Made Us Gay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.